Well, hey, my name's Chris. We're so glad that you chose uh, to hang out with us. And next week, we're actually starting a brand new series called Shake It Off. And uh, when you uh, walked in, you should have received a little card in your program. And so if you could uh, pull that out real quick. So pull it out, and you can look at it, or when you leave, you can check it out. But uh, over the next few weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how do we shake off some of the emotional cancers that have a tendency to kind of choke life out of us. And so uh, we're going to be looking at things like bitterness and worry and anger and lies that we say about ourselves and uh, others as well. And so um, I really hope that you'll come back and be a part of this for next week. And more importantly, that you would uh, also invite uh, someone to come, coworker, neighbor, uh, someone to come. Uh, and you can use this card. If you're more of a Facebook person, if you go to uh, the JAR website or the JAR um, uh, Facebook page, you just click on share uh, to share your timeline uh, on your friend's timeline, and that'd be great. So if you want to, I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Uh, if you want to put it on uh, Facebook or if you want to text somebody, you could do that as well. So let me give you 30 seconds real quick. Uh, take your smartphone out and um, send an invite real quick. Watching the time just ticking Clock runs around days in and out Can't really call it living Somewhere I let life go dark I would encourage you, uh, if you don't do that, if the teaching gets boring somewhere between it, just go ahead and invite somebody. Next week will be better. Okay. All right. So uh, we are in our last kind of message on stay positive. And what we've been talking about this entire uh, year is how our culture is so negative, And negativity can run rampant all around us. And if we're not careful, it can actually rub off on us as well. And this morning, I want to talk to all of us who lack confidence. Because the reality is all of us do lack some confidence in one or more areas of our life. The reality is every single person here has some insecurity in your life. Uh, Maybe uh, you're insecure to be around other people, and so if you're ever invited somewhere, you're like, well, I'm not sure if I'll look right or say the right thing, and so you don't go to very many parties. Maybe you're like me, and uh, I feel insecure a lot of times uh, being the best husband and best father I can be and don't feel like I'm quite doing enough. Maybe uh, you feel insecure being a mom or a wife or a girlfriend um, because you don't think uh, you have quite enough. Maybe you're in college and um, you look at all of your friends or the people around you and you think, wow, they're so intelligent, but I really don't have that kind of intelligence. Or maybe you're a teenager and you look in the mirror and you're like, you know, compared to everyone else, I just don't look as good. And let's just face it, though, folks, we have parts of our body that we aren't very happy with. I mean, none of us looks good everywhere. I mean, uh, some parts of our body, we look at it and we're like, well, if I could just get that 53 parts figured out, you know what I mean? Uh, then I would be happy, but there's so many parts that i got to change first um, before that happens. You see, the truth is, folks, that we live in a culture where there is chronic insecurity. And it oozes within each one of our lives at different times. And to be quite honest, it happens to me. And much of this insecurity that we have is actually 
kind of this self-talk that's in our brain. We have a tendency to be like, you know, well, you're not good enough. Uh, rather than me saying, uh, Chris, you're going to be able to do this, many times I say, Chris, don't blow it. Or, Chris, you probably don't have what it kind of takes. And I can easily listen to that inner voice in my head that is giving me negativity. Now, what's interesting is that all of us lack some confidence, but the way we compensate for it is very unique. For some people, they, ne- they simply never try anything new. They're like, I'm a failure, I'll never be good at anything, and so I'm just not going to try. And then other people, what they do is they compensate by actually criticizing other people who have whatever it is that they don't have. You never do that though, right? You're never critical of somebody else who has something that you wish you had. A lot of times, people act more confident than they actually are. In fact, uh, I have no scientific um, kind of uh, stats on this, but I think it's true that um, the people who act like they're the most confident, maybe even kind of cocky and arrogant, are actually the people who I find in life who have the most insecurity. And so I want to talk about three different type of insecure people that uh, I see uh, often. And uh, here's the first one. They're called pleasers. People pleasers. These are the people who walk into a meeting and go, Hey boss, how you doing? Oh, you did such a great job. Hey, are you doing well? Notice me. Do you like me? Or they go to a friend and they're like, Oh, do you need some money? I'll give you some money. How can we be connected? What can I do to please you? And I understand all three of these that I'm going to talk about because I've been all of them. I used to be a preacher pleaser. The first church I pastored, whatever people wanted me to do, for them to feel good about it, I did it because I wanted to please them. Now, just by a show of hands, how many of you know a people pleaser? Raise your hand. If you know a people pleaser. Okay, don't point at somebody around you, okay? I just want you to raise your hand. Thank you for raising your hand for me. That makes me feel better. You're trying to please me, and I appreciate it. Okay, here's the second one, and it is uh, fishers. Fishers. These are people who have a tendency to post things on Instagram or on Facebook that go like this. I feel so blah today. And you know what they're waiting for? They're fishing to have some other people go, Oh, girlfriend, you don't look blah today. You look awesome. You look wonderful, you know. Or, hey, my presentation wasn't really all of that, wasn't that good. And I feel so bad today. What are their ways? They're fishing for someone to say, no, it wasn't a bad presentation. It was awesome. Honestly, I do this after church sometimes. You guys get ready to leave, and I'll go, hey, how was it today? (laughs) And if I don't get the answer I want, you know what I do? I just go to the next person, you know? Like... (laughs) And, and there's, you know, usually about 250 of you here in the second celebration, so I just figure, I just keep asking until finally, you know, somebody will say something, and then if I get home, I ask my wife. And then it doesn't go well there sometimes either. So. <laughs> hey, fishers, though, are simply, you know, how'd I do? Was I okay? Here's a third kind of insecure people. One-uppers. One-uppers. Now, one-uppers will be this. You walk into a room and you go, hey, my kid uh, read a chapter of the Bible. 
And the person goes, really? Well, my kid memorized a whole book of the Bible in Hebrew. (laughs) Or it's like, hey, you know, we're finally getting away. We're going on a vacation. And what's the one-upper say? Uh, Well, we're going on three months to an island somewhere where they're going to serve us, you know. And how many of you know a one-upper? Just raise your hand. If you know someone who always one-ups on that. Yeah, exactly. Now, what's weird about insecurity is that we use all of those, and sometimes it comes out very, very strange. For example, I'm going to share something with you right now that I'm probably going to regret later, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyways. I was a late bloomer. In other words... I did not get muscle and I didn't get strength. They used to call me bones because they said, you're just skin and bones. That's what you are. Uh, Plus, I had no facial hair whatsoever in high school. And, uh, I mean, there were girls, you know, that had more facial hair on their face than I did. You know, it's it's kind of that way. And uh, hopefully no one went to high school with me. Anyways, uh, and and the place that I felt most self-conscious was the fact, too, that I didn't have any hair under my armpits. And, um, you know, I just feel so bad about that, and especially in the men's basketball locker room, well, boys' basketball locker room. I was a basketball player, and the reason I took this picture the way that I did is because I figured if I left my hands down, you would not be able to tell whether I had hairy armpits or not. You know what I mean? Like, I just didn't want to do that. And you can tell I don't even have peach fuzz. I mean, nothing. It wasn't until college that I actually started shaving. But what was so weird in high school was is that there were so many people that were on the team that had beards, and they were able to shave. And, you know, they they had hair everywhere. I was always self-conscious. I looked more like this. A hairless cat, you know? It was just like that. Now, this is the truth about me. I am not a hairy man still today. But you know what I'm self-conscious about now? I have hair that is growing in places that is not very nice. I have nose hair and ear hair. And I get hair in between my eyebrows. And sometimes my eyebrows get so bushy. My uh, girls make fun of me, you know, and it's just horrible. And all the insecurity now has come there. I mean, to be honest, folks, I'm a mess. <laughs> and I'm going to be even more insecure next week after I just shared. So, You see, the, folks, the truth is, is that all of us deal with insecurity in different ways. Maybe yours is you just don't ever show up to things because if you do, you're insecure about whether you'll fit in. Or maybe uh, you ask someone for, or you never ask anyone for help because you're afraid that if you did, that you'll look like you don't have it together. The tragedy for some of you is that you're here today and God has a calling for your life in your heart and you're not living it out because you're afraid to take the risk. You're afraid to be seen what other people would uh, talk about you and you're letting your insecurity guide your life. Maybe you're here today and you've thought about interviewing for a new job or you thought about asking for a different promotion, but you're just too insecure because you think you're not good enough. Maybe you're here today and you're not going to go back to school because you think, you know what, I'm too old now, and even though you feel a sense of it, people will just laugh at me. Maybe you're here today and you want to be a part of a small group, 
But the reality is, is you're afraid what people will say, and so you're insecure. I'm telling you, if you're not in a small group, you need to get into one. And you can do it very easily. On your Connect card, just in the upper right-hand corner, there's a blue box. You just check it. And our small groups are places that are safe and secure for you to be a part of so that you can gain confidence to go, God does love me, and these people care for me, and I can be a part of that. Don't stay stuck in your insecurity. If you're like, hey, I want to ask some questions, back in the back, down here on the main level, in this corner, there's a small group table, and uh, Emily will be there after the celebration to answer any questions. Maybe for some of you, you've thought about getting baptized, but you think, you know what, I'm just not good enough, and you feel insecure. And today I'll be teaching a class on baptism that will take place in the community room right by the elevator, and you could be a part of that by just coming there. Lunch is provided, child care is provided, and you could do that. You know, there are so many people who miss out on opportunities in their life because they simply feel so very unsecure or insecure. They just don't feel like they could ever be enough. And so for the rest of our time, I want us to look at this big idea that we're going to talk about for the rest of the morning, and it's this. We don't need self-confidence We need God-confidence. You don't need self-confidence. We need God-confidence. We need to know how we're going to cultivate God's confidence so that we walk through our life with that kind of strength. And I want to encourage you today that as I talk about confidence, I'm not talking about confidence in myself or confidence in yourself, but we're talking about God-confidence. Now, Where did I get this from? Well, if you look in Scripture, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, in the message translation, there's a very powerful verse that deals with this kind of confidence, and this is what it says. Forget about, what's the next word? Yeah, forget about it. Forget about it. Self-confidence. It's what? It's useless. What? Instead, we're to cultivate what? God-confidence. Some of you should memorize that. Um, that it's very simple, that we forget about self-confidence, it's useless, we cultivate God-confidence within us. We're going to forget about that, and we're going to develop a confidence that we have in God. Now, I'm not telling you it's a bad thing to be self-confident. In fact, I think it's very, very important. This is just what I found, is that when I put self-confidence in myself, I always fail. And the reason that I don't do it anymore is because of two reasons. One is, my heart is deceitful. My heart above anything else. That's what Scripture says. It's unbelievably deceitful, and it has an ability to deceive other people. And secondly, I don't put confidence in myself because my flesh is weak. We sing about it when we sing, give me faith. My flesh is so weak, I can't have confidence in myself but I can have confidence in God. I mean, I don't know how it is with you, but I can be spiritually on for one or two or three or four days, and then all of a sudden I'm spiritually off because I'm looking at the shiny thing. And I'm looking at the things around me that are going to fill me to make me feel differently, and I lose out on the confidence God wants for my life. Folks, again, it's not a bad thing to be confident. You've been given gifts. You've been given skills. You've been given talents. But the reality is, is that we place our confidence not in ourselves, but our confidence is in God working through us. 
Now, I'd like to close out our whole Stay Positive series by giving you some confidence in three things that will help uh, cultivate a God confidence in you. And here's the first one. Three truths. Here's the first truth for cultivating God confidence. My God is always for me. My God is always for me. You know, the reality is is that there are a lot of people who simply have an inaccurate view of God. They think that His character and His nature is based upon performance. That if I do so many things, then He'll accept me, then He'll love me, then He'll encourage me. Uh, Sometimes we'll be like this, well, man, you know, I didn't have a very good day, I wasn't like connecting with Him very much, and so God's not going to answer my prayer. Or the other day, you're like, you know what, man, I did a great thing for God today. Everything's going well. Now I know He's going to fill me. Folks, the reality is, we do not have consistently good spiritual days. All of us fall short. Every single person in this room, that's why we had communion today. So many people think, well, God's not going to be able to help me. God's out to get me. God doesn't want to bless me because of our view of our Heavenly Father. Um, I have uh, two girls. One is 11 and the other one's 9. And uh, most of the time, I am super proud of them. But not all the time. Um, The reality is, I'm their dad. And sometimes they do things that disappoint me. But let me tell you this. I never wake up in the morning and think, I want something bad to happen to them. I mean, I just hope they really mess up in some way so that I can give them a good old-fashioned whooping or a timeout or ground them for the next year. I just can't wait till they do something wrong so that I can get even. Folks, I never wake up in the morning and I think that. Always, every single day, I am for my girls. I want them to be blessed. I want them to be whole. I want them to be well. I want them to be growing and serving God in faithful ways. I always and forever am for my girls. I mean, even when they do things that I'm not so happy with and I don't support, it doesn't take away the fact that I'm still for them because God is always for me. In fact, that's what Paul kind of says in uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 31. He says these words. He says, if God is what? What's the next two words? For us. So if God is for us, then who can ever be what? Against us. If God is for us, who can be against us? Now the problem is it's very easy for us to read that. It's another thing for us to actually live this out. Because the truth is, is that we go through seasons of our life where we kind of feel like, well, maybe God's not for me. For me, uh, I felt that a lot during college. Much of that was because my behavior was so bad that I just thought God is only for the people who do the right things, but for the people who don't, He's never for. I never, ever felt during college that God was always for me because of what I had done. So I felt like what I had to do was do more things to kind of earn His love, that if I just tried harder, if I flew straighter, if I did more, then I could have His approval. And then one day, uh, several years later, we were just getting ready to start the church, and I was reading my Bible in the book of Mark. And a scripture came to me that I hope for some of you you'll highlight and you'll take this in today. 
let me kind of give you a backstory. So uh, there's this guy by the name of John the Baptist who was uh, Jesus's uh, cousin, and he's teaching all the people one day that they should turn away from their sin and they should turn to God. And he says uh, that's a good way to live your life. And he says that if you'll do this. It could change your life. And then he says, hey, by the way, there's this river down here. If any of you want to get baptized symbolically as making that commitment that you're turning away from your sin and turning towards God, you can come and be baptized. And then pretty soon, uh, Jesus actually is standing in line. And John's like, hey, I can't baptize you. I mean, you're the Son of God. We know who you are. He's like, no, 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 no. I want you to do it. Jesus was not baptized because of forgiveness of sins. He was baptized to begin to show his public ministry to the world. He was baptized as a defining moment to tell anyone and everyone because of him and what he was going to do, that when you make a commitment, he washes all of your sins away. And so John goes ahead and says, okay, you want baptized? I'll baptize you. And so he does. And he comes out out of the water, and this is what the Scripture says. And a voice from heaven came and said, You are my son, whom I love. And I am very, what's the next word? Pleased with you. Now, why should we be pleased with people? Typically because they've done something or they've accomplished something that we should feel good about. Well, if you read the first 11 verses of Mark, you know what you find out? Jesus hasn't done squat. He hasn't healed anybody. He hasn't taught anyone. He hasn't performed any miracles. No feeding of the 5,000. No resurrection from the dead. He has not done anything in a human way to receive that kind of message from his Father that I'm pleased with you. So my question is to you, why do you think the Father was pleased with his Son? Because he was a son. That's it. And I'll never forget reading that passage of Scripture and thinking, you know what, there's so many things. I don't know if I'm good enough to start this church. I don't know if I'll be able to do any of this. And I remember reading that passage and thinking, okay, well, Jesus hasn't done anything. Why is he pleased with him? And you know why God is pleased with Jesus is because he's his son. And you know why he's pleased with you? Because when you make a commitment to him, you become an adopted son. You become an adopted daughter. And it's not based upon what I do or what I don't do, but it's based upon the relationship that I have with him. So, how do I know that I can be confident? Because God is always for me, no matter what. He's for me. I'm not confident in myself anymore, but I'm confident in God because he's always for me. Here's the uh, second thing. Uh, of the second truth of why we can cultivate God confidence. And it's because my God always helps me. Some of you are here literally for that word today. You need to know that God is present to help you. God is present to help you. Um, I love uh, a passage of scripture. It's in Hebrews. It's, uh, uh, it's in the second half of the Bible in the New Testament. And in chapter 13, uh, the author writes these words. Um, So God says this in the Old Testament, and the author brings it back to the New Testament. God said this, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. 
So we say with what? What's the next word? Yeah, there's that word again. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be what? I will not be afraid. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Folks, there's something amazing that happens when you have a powerful helper in your life. It's amazing. It removes fear that you have. For example, for uh, some of you, you know I've talked about that I can't repair anything and any kind of tool or equipment is dangerous. So a few years ago, um, I bought one of these, a chainsaw. And uh, when I bought this chainsaw, um, my wife was not very happy with me at all. And uh, I bought it, and she's like, why do you need a chainsaw? I said, well, we got a half acre of woods behind us, and there's this dead stuff. I won't, you know, get big, gigantic trees, but just little small ones. We'll cut it up, you know, clean it up, make it look nice. And she said, are you trained? And I was like, bought the, bought the saw, you know. And uh, she's like, that's not enough. And so luckily we have a guy in our church uh, named Eric Gillette who actually has his own tree trimming uh, company. And uh, so I called him. I said, hey, uh, I want to buy a chainsaw. He's like, you want what? <laughs> and I said, no, 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 I'm going to buy one. And, you know, he's like, all right. And so he said, well, let me buy it for you. You can reimburse me. And so he did, and he said, I'm going to buy you these chaps, too. So this isn't an outfit. They're really chaps. And what they're basically done is that when you're cutting something, if you hit your leg, you will not cut your leg off, okay? And uh, so he said he wanted to do that. And so he said, well, I'm going to train you. And so he came over to the house. He showed me how to put the gas in, how to put the uh, bar oil uh, for the bar chain uh, in and all of that. And he put the... Uh, the uh, saw down, and he said, start the chainsaw. I looked at that chainsaw, I was like, man, I don't know. You know, I've seen those horror movies before where a guy starts a chainsaw, and then the next thing you know, there's blood like everywhere. And I'm like, don't you think it'd be better if we took this chainsaw and like we went to a log and like we put it on the log and then we started it? And he's like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, are you sure? And he's like, I've owned a tree trimming company for 40 years. I've, like, done a chainsaw. You know, I've turned it on, like, tens of thousands of times. Go ahead. Just start it. And don't worry, because when you start it, what's going to happen is there's a break already on it. The saw's not just going to start immediately. We're just going to start the engine, and then I'll show you how to actually let go of the break, and so you can go ahead and do that. And all of a sudden, I was like, I think I can do this. And so I started it, started up real well, you know, and he showed, it, showed me how to do that. You know why I was confident? Because I had no fear because the chainsaw master was right beside me. The Lord's your helper, folks. Therefore, he says, if I'm your helper, don't be afraid because you have the master right there. You know, there's some of you right now are going through some very difficult stuff in your life. And you need to recognize that God wants to help you. Maybe your marriage is in trouble. God really wants to be able to help your marriage wherever it's at right now if you'll turn to Him. Maybe you're stressed financially. God is our provider. He wants to be able to help you get through this. 
Maybe you've got a hard conversation that you need to share with somebody else. Listen to me. God will give you the words that you need. Maybe you need some wisdom for some reason. God wants to help you. There's a scripture that says God gives wisdom to those who ask it. Maybe you need peace in your life. There's chaos going on and you need peace. He's a comfort to you. Folks, there are so many of you right now that you're in the middle of a situation that's difficult. Maybe it's with a family member. Maybe it's with a friend. Maybe it's at work. Guess what? I'm telling you, God wants to be able to be your helper. Now, maybe you'd say, well, it sure doesn't feel that way right now. I mean, things aren't changing. It doesn't feel like he's wanting to be my helper. Well, sometimes, folks, you can't see in the moment. It's only in hindsight that you see him move. You know, nine years ago, uh, in a matter of six months, uh, the entire original staff that was here at the JAR all left. And the only person that was left was Mikey, and, you know, he thought I was going to have to be instituted because I was a wreck. I mean, how are we going to be able to move this church forward and they're all gone now? And all of a sudden I thought to myself, you know what? We're not going to survive as a church. You don't have what it takes. I wondered if I could ever trust anyone else again. Could I be so vulnerable with my life? And you know what? God carried me through that. And He's helped me actually to know how to trust people more and to be even more vulnerable. When a key leader in our church was arrested for molesting his daughter, and it hit all the papers, and there was pain for this young little girl and um, her mom, and The mom was a part of our staff, and I wasn't sure exactly how we were going to be able to help, how we were going to be able to care for her. People came out of the woodwork to be able to pay for counseling, to be able to provide for bills, to be able to take care of the single mom now that we were able to reach out and care for. And that young girl has grown up and has healed in so many different ways in her life, and she's going to graduate from high school this year, and she'll be starting cosmetology school in the summer. And God was a helper to that whole situation when we saw no help at all. When I have to stand before people who have lost a baby or a child or a teenager that's been in an auto accident or when there is someone who has committed suicide and I have no idea what I'm going to say, God gives me words. He helps me to be able to do that. You see, a lot of times, folks, when you're going through something, you don't see God helping. It's only when you look in the rearview mirror and you look back and you're like, ah, there were so many times He was my helper. And when you can wake up each morning and say, no matter what goes on today, I know that God is for me and God will help me. Here's the last reason why I can have confidence um, and cultivate it in God. is that my God is still working in me. God is still working in you. He's not done. During the uh, second year of uh, our marriage, we lived in this uh, apartment, and uh, my wife Jennifer was in medical school, and I was pastoring a small little church uh, in the country. And uh, we didn't have a lot of money, and so uh, we decided we'd always have little date nights based upon themes of food. And so one particular night, we decided that we were going to have an Italian kind of dinner date night. And it comprised of spaghetti and frozen garlic bread, okay? 
And that was it. It wasn't really anything remarkable, but to us at the time, it felt like a lot. And so uh, we figured it all out. We were going to make it together. And she said, I just have one thing I need you to promise me. I was like, sure, babe, what is it? She's like, please be on time. And I was like, okay, no problem. And so I left that morning, and uh, I got all my work done at the church, and I was getting ready to go because a couple people had been admitted to a hospital uh, in Lafayette, Indiana, and I had to go there, and it's about a 40-minute drive, and it just got longer and longer and longer. I knew it was going to be late, and this was before cell phones, okay? That's how old I am, all right? This was before cell phones. Now, there was a phone at the hospital I could have picked up. I was like, oh, I'm a pretty fast driver. I think I can make it. You know, we'll do it that way. And uh, I got home as fast as I could. And I was just assuming that she would have started the spaghetti dinner. And so when I walked into our apartment, she was sitting by the counter with one hand on her hip like this. And she was like, are you always going to be late in our marriage? And I don't know what happened, but I blew a gasket. And I started yelling at her, and I started saying some things that I regret to this day that I ever did. And there was some raw hamburger that was on the counter. And I picked that up, and I threw it against the wall. And it splattered everywhere. And I was so mad, I walked out, and for two hours, I walked in this small little town just trying to cool down because of that woman. Well, finally, the two hours ended. I walked back into the apartment. And as I walked in, I was assuming that all of the hamburger would have been cleaned up and everything was going to be fine. Guess what? It wasn't. And I finally realized I was not living with my mom anymore. And I started cleaning up the hamburger, and I kind of went like, you know, a little wet pup. And the door to our bedroom was closed with just a little bit of light coming out. And I realized I was not supposed to go in. And that was the first night of my marriage that I ever spent the night on a couch. And you know what? It was such... A very difficult, difficult night. I tossed and I turned and I tossed and I turned and I felt so sinful and guilty and I thought to myself, how could anyone like me ever stand up and teach? How could anyone like me who just said the things that I said to my wife and went off the way that I did, how could God ever use someone like me? And the guilt and the shame that registered in my life was so great. And I thought to myself, I'll never forget, I'm disqualified. I'm not qualified anymore to be able to do what I do. But this is the good news, folks. I do not put confidence in Chris Bunch. I put confidence in the God who is still working in me. Philippians 1.6 says this, and for some of you, this is going to be a life changer if you'll take it in. It says this, being what? What's the next word? Confident of this, that God who began a good work in me, uh, a good work in you, will carry it on to 
completion until the day that Christ Jesus returns. That God who began a good work in you, He's not done yet. He's still working in the midst of your life. My God is still working on me. And He's working on you. And do you know why some of you need to hear this this week? Because you've been carrying some guilt and shame because of something that you said or you did this past week, this past month, this past year, and you've never received God's forgiveness. There's someone here who has spiritual doubts, and you're like, why is it that God would want anything to do with me when I doubt Him? You need to understand that God is not finished with you yet. He's patient. There are others of you who are still stuck in a sin and you keep doing it over and over and over again and you think, surely by this time I should be over this thing and you're not. But God is not finished with you yet. There's someone else who has maybe drifted away from God. You haven't been a part of His uh, presence. You haven't been connected to Him. And you're like, well, I've drifted away. I've walked away. There's no way God would want something to do with me. And you feel bad. But I came here to tell you that God is not finished with you yet. He's still working on you. Now, confession time. Some of you are sitting there and you're like, well, Bunch, you look confident. I mean, you stand up there and you talk about things and blah, 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 blah. This is what you need to know about me. Every single time I stand up here, I feel so inadequate and insecure that I'd never have something worthy of what God would want me to share with you. I always believe that I don't quite have a tendency to balance everything in my life. And many times I, my parent or my, my wife and my kids and my parents, they get the short end of the stick. I never feel like I'm a good enough pastor for this particular church because I was never a part of a church that was more than 150 or 200 people. And I just thought, you know, that's enough for me. And then God continues to bless. And I don't feel adequate enough for what God is doing now and what He's going to do in the future. But this is what I realized, folks. I'm still confident, not in myself, but I'm confident in the God who says to me, Chris, I'm for you. Chris, I'm here to help you. Chris, I am not done with you yet. I'm still working in you. And folks, I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what the voice of insecurity has been speaking into your head. But I pray that you would know that there is a God who you can have confidence in and who will fill you up stay positive because of His incredible love for you. Let's pray. God, thank You so much for showing us a path of how we can have Your confidence in us. Because the truth is, many times, God, we feel very inadequate. In fact, if you're
sitting there right now and you're like, you know what, Chris, man, you hit it on the mark today because I feel the way you do. I just feel inadequate in my life. I don't feel like I'm a good enough parent. I feel like I'm a failure in these areas of my life. I feel guilty because I'm not making the difference that I should. I mean, I do not want to put confidence in myself anymore because it's not working. I need a God confidence. And today, if you're ready to say, help me, God, to trust in you, to cultivate a confidence in you, if you're ready to say, yes, I want even more of your confidence and more faith in me because of your goodness, God, if you're ready to say today, I need confidence in God to be increased, would you just raise your hand? No one else is looking. It's just between you and God. But God, I'm telling you right now, as much as I know, I need your confidence in me. God, I pray right now for each hand that's raised. Fill them with your confidence. Remind them that you are always for them, that you want to help them, that you are not finished with them yet. God, help each person here not to listen to the voices of discouragement, but to be confident in you. You can put your hands down. Now, maybe for some of you, you're here for the first time or you've drifted from God and now you're drifting back. But you're kind of like, you know what? I don't feel good about my standing with God right now. Maybe you're kind of like, you know, I just don't think I'm good enough. I need to fly straight or do more, and then maybe it would happen. Well, if that's you, and you don't know where you stand at with God because of what your life has been, I want you to know that because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross and His resurrection power, you don't have to try to do something to gain God's approval. Jesus has already done that for you. He died once and for all so that all of your sins could be forgiven and that you could have a clean slate. That's why we celebrated communion today. So right now, if you're ready to say, By faith in God, I surrender my life to you, Jesus, today. I give my life to you. I need your forgiveness. I need your love. I need your second chance. I need your grace. I invite you to simply pray this prayer after me. That it's a a prayer that we say in unison. No one ever prays alone here at the jar. But maybe for you, it's the first time that you've met it. Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sins. Make me brand new. Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. I give it to you. In Jesus' name I pray.